Good morning, South Point family. How are you doing? Fantastic. There we are. We got some stuff going on. Good to see everybody. Turn to your neighbor and ask them how they're doing. Somebody sitting next to you. Give them a little fist bump. How are you doing over there? We want to welcome everybody today. Welcome to the people online watching. Super excited. And if this is your first time today, we want to give you a big welcome. Let's show our first time guests a little bit of love. Can we do that today? Absolutely. Glad that you're here. And if and if I've not met you, me and my wife, we are the lead pastors here at South Point, Scott and Jenny. And if we've not met you, hunt us up in the lobby afterwards and uh, tell us your name and all of your important business, and we'll swap info, okay? We'll, uh, we'll get to know you a little better. I apologize. Let me start by apologizing. I apologize if it starts getting a little warm. Our guys are working on it. About 9 o'clock, we took a lightning hit, and uh, it killed everything. So they just found out that it also killed our AC, so they're working on... Running around. So if you see them running through the thermostats and all that, just give them a little, you got this, all right? And it'll help them out because they're sweating it big time trying to get the AC back up and going. But until then, use your bulletin as a fan, okay? That'd be great. It's cooler than hell, so uh, we'll make it. Good spot for an amen right there, right at the beginning. Super glad you're here. We're in this uh, awesome series. It's uh, it's it's really good series, really difficult for us on this end. Uh, the one speaking, because we are tackling some questions for God this series. Um, the first week, we laid a foundation. We talked about, let's see, the three questions were, how do I know God exists? Is the Bible true and or accurate, and can I trust it? And then thirdly is, what's the purpose of life? Aren't you glad you didn't have to give that one? Yeah, give that speech, that uh, message. Last week, we, uh, we tackled maybe the hardest one of the whole series, I feel like. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, there's really not a, a definitive answer for that, but we gave some pieces to start answering that, gave us some insight into what God's Word says, what we believe the answer is to that. And this week, we're talking about something that is incredibly important in your life. And the question, I don't know if you have an orange bulletin, there's some notes in there if you want to follow along with us on version, You can follow along on version. And in fact, uh, each week we've been putting extra resources in there. Last week I think they left them on the welcome booth, but this week they're in your bulletin. And there's some extra resources. One side of the resource page is for the entire series. The other side is for the specific message. So you can go look up extra stuff if you would like. Videos, articles, all kinds of stuff. Books you can read and all that kind of good stuff. This week, we're talking about a question that once you answer it, is going to influence how you live. The question is, what happens when we die? And what you believe on that is going to influence how you live your life. So it's super important for us to, to get correct information and get good information and get biblical information so that that influences how we live our lives because that determines what happens when we die. Some of it, everybody, it happens to everybody, and some of it doesn't. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some of that today. And let me just tell you, it's important because in Oklahoma City, in, this, in Oklahoma, really in the Bible Belt, you get predominantly the same information. You get a, a, a little variety, but you get predominantly the same information, what happens when you die. But for any of you that have traveled around the world, you understand that there are many, many, many varieties of pe what people's opinions are on what happens when you die. And today we're going we're gonna to start by reminding us all that we're all going to die. Is anybody confused about that? 
this world's rigged. Nobody's getting out of life. We're all going to die. Hebrews 9 tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die and then to face God in the judgment. So we understand that. Our question today is what happens, what happens when we die? So I'm going to break it into a couple of pieces and we're just going to build up from there. The first one that we're going to talk about today is the body and the soul. All right? The body and the soul. When you die, the very next fill in the blank there, at death, your body and your soul, they separate. They don't stay together. You're, you don't, your soul doesn't go to sleep for a certain amount of time. Your body and your soul, they separate. The Bible tells us that. We, we get some good insight from God's Word. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says this. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with who? With the Lord. Right, to be away from the body, and another version, I think the NIV says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so it's given us glimpses, it's given us answers to what happens when I die. And we'll, we'll get into that more in just a second, but listen to Philippians 1 gives us another step. Paul is explaining to the Philippians a little bit of his dilemma. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And just pause there for a minute. Do you understand what? Paul understands what he's fixing to say about being absent from his body. Man, for me to live, I'm a Christian, for me to live is Christ. I'm going to live as Christ leads me to live, right? And, but I still, if I'm living, I still struggle with all the junk of this world. Stuff like we talked about last week. Bad things still happen to good people. I still struggle with that. But for me to live is Christ. But for me to die is gain. Why would he ever say that? Have you ever said that to anybody? You know, if I get killed, it's better. I've never said that. I've prayed many times, Lord, please don't let me die in this, all right? And Paul is saying just the opposite. For me to die is gain, and he goes on. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, right? I'm living for Christ. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between these two, or the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ because we know what we just read in Philippians that, or in 1 Corinthians that to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. It's more important for you that I remain in the body, he says, so I can teach you about what I've learned from God. That's exactly what he's saying. And it's funny, have, have you ever known anyone that has a near-death, that's had a near-death experience? A couple of us, let me see, get any hands? I, I, I've been a pastor, I've, I've been with enough people when they've had accidents or been in situations where they've passed away, somebody's revived them, and we've had that conversation. Now, nobody knows exactly what a near-death experience is. There's lots of great information on that. We're not getting into that today. We're going to move on because we've got better stuff to cover. But what's, what's great about that is I grew up having many near-death experiences. His name was Steve Morris. It was my dad. And there were multiple times in my life I thought, I am going to die because of my dad. And I can remember one, and I was thinking about near-death experiences. I thought, I really never had, I've had some almost getting killed experiences. I don't know that I've had a near-death experience outside of my dad. Because I remember when my mom and dad, they were, we were, they were just about to get a divorce. We were, I was about 10 or 11. And, you know, kids, we just normally pick sides. Like, we kind of worked the system without actually knowing it. And my mom and dad were kind of into it. And then my mom got on to me. And I just turned to my mom, and I was going to be on my dad's side for a second. I just said, no. And I just felt this whew, go over my head. 
Have you ever, have you ever felt that? Like, I almost took your head off swing? Just, my dad never hit me in the head or, like, he, he, he'd break an arm. But he, he, he just kind of like, and he said, you go outside. I'll be there in a minute. That right there is one of the closest near-death experiences I've ever had in my entire life. My dad, my dad walked outside. I'm about 10 or 11, and he got this close to me, and I'm looking straight up at him. And he let me know that if I ever backtalked to one of my parents again, I was going to Jesus immediately. <laughs> that I looked just like my mom and dad. They would have another baby and grow another son, but I would be dead. You know what that does to a kid? That makes you think of the afterlife. And it, believe it or not, the reason I throw that in, it kind of forms your thinking like what happens after we die? What happens after we die? What, what do you, before we go to this next part, what do you believe happens when we die? You don't have to say it out loud. But what, what do you believe? Do you believe the body and the soul, they separate? I, th- I think that's a gimme. Most of us, I would say 90% plus, we believe the body and the soul separate. But here's what's where it gets fishy. Here's where it gets tricky. Then what? Then what? What happens after the body and the soul separate? So we're, we're going to go a little deeper. Is it okay? This part, after death, it's all about heaven and hell. Okay? Heaven and hell. And let me just say, we could talk about heaven and hell for the rest of this year. Things in, in God's word about it, our thoughts on it, all different kinds of great information. But I have come up with the most general non-academic definitions of heaven and hell, very accurate, but non-academic for us to understand what heaven and hell is, instead of going into all the, you know, in the, throughout scripture, there's four or five different words used, translated for heaven. There's six or eight that are translated for hell, that we would read hell, but it may be translated in another word in the original Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew. So here's your definition today. It's in your notes. Heaven is where God Y'all help me out? Where God is. That's where heaven is. That's what we're using to say, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to where God is. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, right? To be absent from the body, to be present with God. That's what he said in Philippians. Hey, it's better that I stay here with you, but I would rather go be with the Lord. So heaven is where God is. And this is a super tough definition of hell. Are you ready for this? Heaven is where God is. Hell is where God, there you go. Y'all are theologians. That was postdoctorate work right there. You got it. For, for what we're talking about today, and it is accurate, but heaven is where God is. That's his home. That's what he has created. And when we talk about hell, we're talking about where God is not. That's what we're talking about. There's lots of different variations and descriptions. We're not going to get into all those today. But heaven is where God is. And, and I can tell you, it's also immediate. Some of you may ask, well, what happens? Do I go to heaven or hell immediately? Well, Scripture teaches us multiple times that we do. The, the two that we just read, to be absent from the body or to be away from the body, is to be with the Lord. He doesn't say that there's anything in between that. But there's even a better one. Because in, in Luke 23, when Jesus is hanging on the cross... And there are two thieves, one on either side of him. One of the thieves is riddling, or uh, griping him out, ridiculing him. 
complaining about him. He's, he's taunting him. He's saying, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you get down off of that cross? Those kind of wonderful things. And the other thief, though, has come to his senses. And he looks at Jesus and he says, hey, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? It's a great whole message on that, just him confessing, you have a kingdom. I understand that you're the king. Would you remember me? And Jesus says to him, look at this verse in uh, Luke 23, 43. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, and everybody say it with me, say today. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today, not not any time from now, and I'm not going to get into doctrine on that and arguing different people's doctrine. Here's what I would love to do. Let's go with what God's word says today. Are you with me on that? Listen, I, I am just one of those people that, that am not smart enough to get in and argue. The Greek and the Hebrew, it would take me, it'll take me another week to get in there and research all of that and look a bunch of stuff up. But what I do know is what scripture tells us, that when we do die... We go immediately today to one of those two places, where God is or where God is not. How many of you, your hope and your prayer is that we go to where God is? Really? How many want to go to the other place? No, no takers today. Great. Because that's super important as we talk about the rest of this. When we, when we talk about hell, it's super important because... People will ask, we're not getting into this question in this series, but how can a good God send people to hell? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why, why would a good God send people to hell? I, my argument on that is because he's good, because he loves you. Ladies, let me ask you a question. All the ladies, if I could have your attention, please. You've got to be honest on this one. How many of you love when a guy, let me ask you this. How many of you ever had a guy that really liked you and you did not like him? Now, don't elbow him if he's sitting next to you, okay? Just simple hand raise will work. Right? And how many, don't, don't answer this, but if you've ever told them I don't like you and they've just kind of stalked you for a while, doesn't that just make you feel gushy inside or creepy inside, right? What if that guy just said, you know what, it doesn't matter if you love me, I am going to force you to love me. And then you go buy a pistol, right? You, do you understand? Do you understand where I'm going with this analogy? That God says, I love you. I love you so much. The thing that we talked about last week as the foundation of our first answer, that I've given you freedom. That you don't have to love me. But if you choose not to serve God in this life, remember I said it's important what you believe and obey in this life to the afterlife. If you don't love God in this life enough to serve him, he, he follows that through in the next life and he's not going to make you go to heaven. That's the difference. That he doesn't make you go to where God is. He'll allow you to go where God is not by our own choice. And I heard a, I heard a pastor one time tell me that it, it's like hell is like the quarantine of evil. All the people throughout history that have said no to God. I don't want to do that. That's where they're at. Can I tell you, that's one of my motivations to not go there. I don't want to be where all the evil is. I want to be where God is. That's what I want to be. Listen to 2 Thessalonians says it like this, and, and we're going to move on past hell. But it says, yep, 2 Thessalonians. Do you ever do that and just have to get a reboot real quick? Yeah, just have to get a reboot. Quit saying it. Just stop for a second. Let your brain catch up. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says, He will punish those who do not know God 
and do not obey. Do you, do you get those two? That is so scriptural. Throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament, people that don't know him and that don't obey him. That's it. That's what salvation, that's what loving God is for me to desire to know him throughout my life and obeying what, what he tells me. That's what knowing God is. But those that do not know him and do not obey him or obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out. And here's the worst part of hell. Shut out from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. Last week we read the scripture that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And I added to that and I said everything else comes from evil. That's what hell is. It is lacking all good because all good comes from God can I just say as we move forward I don't even want to talk about hell anymore but as we move forward my goal is to not just avoid hell when I was growing up I just wanted to skip hell I wasn't for sure on heaven but the second half of this message is the reason we chose this question today because if you understand this I think it makes our decision to want to be where God is for eternity much more important. So number three, the, the, the rest of this message is this. When we die, eternity happens. To be absent from the body, to be away from the body, to be separated from the body today, like he said to the thief, that is when eternity starts. So I thought. But Jesus even gives us glimpses of eternity now. Let's, listen to John chapter Five. This, remember, this is the John that, that Jesus loved. This is the John that ran around with Jesus. He didn't have to go back and research Jesus. He heard it from Jesus himself. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but he has crossed over from death to life. I, I love little glimpses in Scripture. Like, what, what did you just record Jesus saying? Like, so if I'm... Choosing to live for Christ on this planet, I'm already getting glimpses of eternity in my life. I'm already getting glimpses of what he wants in my life. Okay, so here's the important part. What's God want? Here, here's, it's so great. I love it. I, lo I love it because I know what I'm fixing to say, and y'all don't. Look at this. In Genesis, go back to the book of Genesis, first couple of chapters. God created everything. He created man and woman. And then what did he tell them? Hey, I want you to work the land, right? I want you to work the land. You work the land in the day, eat of its fruit. And then at night, what did he say? I'll come down and I'll walk with you. God's plan was for, in the beginning, God's plan was for Adam and Eve to, to work during the day and walk with God at night. To work during the day and walk with God at night. He wanted a relationship with them. But it wasn't just... Like he changes us all into little fat naked babies with harps and we sit around his throne playing like Led Zeppelin or something. You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me? Because that's sometimes what our vision is. And you get to read like, wait, God's plan in the beginning was a relationship with us. Maybe when I sell out to him on this planet, maybe he starts that plan in my life. He starts heading me that direction. Oh, it gets, it gets so much better. It gets so much better. Luke 6, or Luke 9, this was one of the first ones. A few months into me being a Christian, I ran across this, and I went immediately, immediately to my cousin, who was the youth pastor who really helped lead me to Christ, and I asked him about this question. Luke 9, 62. Jesus replied, 
no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And I underlined service, and I went to him, and I said, what does this mean? Because that word caught my attention. I didn't think we were like, had jobs in heaven. I thought we were little cherubs, you know, like flying around, Jesus is great, Jesus is great for eternity. Because I read a couple of verses like that in Psalm, and didn't really understand that they were poetry, explaining, they were analytical, or uh, analogical about heaven and our attitude, and oh, what does service mean? And he began to piece it together for me. He began to say, you know, back in Genesis, God had a plan for people. And can I just tell you, I've read the end of the book. Has anybody read the end of the book? Those last three or four chapters are really good. I don't know about the first half of that book, but the last three or four chapters are really good. A revelation, it get, gives us a glimpse of his plan. We're going we're gonna, to, let me walk you through it. So in Matthew 25, let me set this story up, and I'm going to give you the punchline. In Matthew 25, Jesus starts this, this little uh, illustration out by saying the kingdom of God is like this, okay? And then he gives them uh, a story, and he goes, okay, so say there's this master. Remember, this is the kingdom of heaven. There's this master, and he has three servants. But the master's fixing to go away for a long time. You ever heard this story? And so he pulls his three servants in, and he gives one of them five bags of gold, one of them two bags of gold, and one of them one bag of gold. And then a long time later, he comes back, and he calls those servants to him, and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And he rewarded them according to what they had done, or some of them had not done, with their gold. And listen to what he says in Matthew 25, 23, talking about the kingdom of heaven. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, five bags, two bags, one bag. You've been faithful with a few I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. There's an, another glimpse of what he's saying is, let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like here on this earth and when I come back. Like, I'm going to give you five, two, one, what bags of life. What I've given you in life. That's what that story is. I'm gonna, you, you really have, each of us have three bags. You have your time of your life. You have all of your talents and abilities that he's given you, your, your characteristics, the way you see things, the way you approach things, all of those things. And then the third is you have your resources, your finances that he's blessed you with. Those are our three bags. Some of our bags vary in size. Some of us have a few, few talents. Some of us have a bunch of talent. You're not accountable for everybody else's bags. Guess who you're accountable for? Yours. And what you do on this earth with your bags, determine what you do in eternity with other bags that he's going to give you. Those are just analogy of your life now, of the kingdom of God working in you right now, of what he's giving you right now. Do you understand that God's got a plan for eternity? The reason I live like I live sun, Monday through Sunday is a little bit for now, and a lot for what we're going to do later. Because I don't believe we're just going to be hanging out. In fact, let's, let's just take another step. You want to? Let's just pile on some more motivation for this. Because in 2 Timothy, you run across another one. 2 Timothy, he's teaching Timothy. He's, a, he's leaving Timothy as a pastor of this small group of people that have been saved. And he's teaching Timothy. And this is what he says. 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure, Timothy, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. 
in my Bible, rain is underlined. I went back to my cousin. What, what is this? Does this mean like reigning with him? Are we going to ride horses in rain or like kingship? And he goes, no, obviously those that are trustworthy, that have been faithful, Matthew 25, with the things of this earth and understand that it's all about eternity, God's going to put them in charge of things. Now, let me just say, we don't know what all of those things are. I'm fixing to read you one that's going to blow your mind. It blew mine. I have a littler mind, though, so maybe that's part of it. God's going to put us in charge. And if He's gonna, if you're going to reign... What, what are you going to reign over? Daniel chapter 7. Oh, I love it when you get into Daniel because you get into the wild stuff. Listen to this, Daniel seven twenty seven. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven, listen to this, will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. Maybe a clue on what we will reign, what we'll be doing in eternity. I, I, don't, I do not know. There's all kinds of great discussion, great videos online, great reads and articles online about this. But for sure, we can understand that God's plan for us does not involve just hanging around, worshiping Him 24-7 for eternity. Is it just me? Does that seem like maybe after a few thousand years that'd get boring? I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love Jesus. I don't want to worship either one of them all day, every day for eternity. I hope we have stuff to do. God created us with desires and a heart for, for, to work for him and to see things accomplished. Can I tell you that eternity, God has a plan? In eternity, God has a plan. Let's go one step deeper. Y'all with me? Everybody say deeper. Oh, yep, let's go one step deeper. This is, one gonna, this is the one that's going to blow your mind. 1 Corinthians 6.13. Let me set it up. Paul is trying to instruct these New believers in Corinth, they're, they're having arguments, they're taking their, their lawsuits to the Roman government. And Paul is going, why are you doing that? These people aren't even Christians, and you're letting them decide. But listen to what he says. He's teaching them, and right in the middle of him teaching them, he throws out something that's, that he sounds like is just common knowledge for believers. I want Paul to elaborate on it. He says this, if any of you have a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly? For judgment instead of the Lord's people. He's saying, why are you taking it to the Roman government? You ought to be bringing it to the, the Christians, the, the, the Jewish council, and they'll help you through this. He goes on. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? What? Have you ever read that before? I've never read that before. I was kind of That makes me curious. I want to, want to know more on that. And he goes on. And if you're to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Like if God's going to put you reigning and ruling over all the kingdoms of the world, his people who have been faithful on the planet, who understand that eternity starts now, how much more can we just settle trivial disputes? And then he throws the big one out. Look at that next line. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How many want to know more about that one right now? I didn't know that. I thought angels are like tougher than us and more powerful than us and like grouped together and killed us and that kind of stuff. No. God says, I got plans for y'all. How much more the things of this life? I don't know if you've heard me say it today or not, but I hope your motivation 
is inspired today. I hope the Holy Spirit can do something with these verses to inspire you and remind you that between Genesis 2 and Revelation 21, if you take those two out, those two bookends are God's plan coming together. And in, in the very back of your Bible, second to the last chapter, Revelation 21, it says this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine the writer of Revelation seeing this? And he says, and what it said was, look. He's announcing to heaven what's happening. He says, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Everybody say Genesis 2. Yeah, he will now dwell with them. They will be his people, and he himself will be with them and be their God. You, you understand, like, what happens when we die is fully determined by what you do now with what you have. What do you believe now? Here's what I believe. Nobody ever told me this growing up. I believe that eternity can start now. The work of God can start now in your life. Not when you graduate college, not when you get married, not when you're 75, not even when you die. That's just the next step. I want to go to be with the Lord and Him give me a high five and go, you ready? And I go, yep, let's do this. Can we skip the cherub thing? Yeah, let's, let's get to work because since the beginning of time, Scott, I've had a plan that I want to be with my people. That we're going to work during the day and walk with God at night. Wouldn't that be awesome? That it's not going to be some distant thing that we're going to pray and hope that it gets there. That God's going to be with us. He's got a plan for our lives. What happens when we die? We get on with God's plan for our lives. Depending on what you believe. If you believe now that God, that God is honest and truthful, that Jesus is his perfect son and came to die for you, those are the essentials. If you believe that and you pattern your life around it, guess what? You are what they call a follower of the way. That's what they called it for the first 200 years. They weren't even called Christians. The follower of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to God. Nobody gets to heaven except through Christ. We're going to talk about that more next week. Do all roads lead to heaven? But Jesus said, if you obey me, eternity can start now. If you'll follow me, eternity can start now. I'll start working what... I want to do in you now. I'll start helping you invest that bag of talent now. Church, I want to live eternity now. This world has nothing for me. I'm like Paul. Like, yeah, if, if I could take my family, like, I'd check out now. I love you guys, but I'm done. It holds nothing for me. I'm ready to get on with eternity. The more that I find pieces throughout Scripture, when people talk about eternity and what's happening there, the more that we piece those together and understand it's not just going to be some big giant Christian party, but we're going to have things to do in the universe and the galaxies and other dimensions. I want to be a part of that. I want to see what Jesus has planned. I want to walk with him. Amen? Where you want to go when you die? Where God is, as God is not. That should determine every day of our lives now. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you today? And first and foremost, before we 
pray anything else with your eyes closed and just letting the Holy Spirit talk to you today. I want to pray first and foremost for somebody in this room, anybody in this room. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if you have not said, Lord, I believe in you and I'm going to live for you. Can I tell you that there's no better day than today to surrender your life to him? No better day than today. I won't ask you to stand up, spin around, come down front. I'm not going to embarrass you because I believe that that first step, sitting right where you are, is probably the most important step of your life. But I will ask you one thing. If you're serious, while nobody's looking around, will you let me know that today I'm going to invite Jesus into my life. I'm going to start living for him by just looking at me. Just give me a little wave, and it lets me know. You're praying for me today, Scott. You're praying for me today. I'm making that decision. If that's you, let me see your hand. Take a step of faith. Invite him into your life. Awesome. Awesome. Lord, first and foremost, we pray for these that raised their hand today. For these in the, this audience that are making a decision to surrender their life to you. They're opening up their heart and their soul. And by a step of faith, saying that today they're going to follow you for the rest of their lives, that their eternity starts today. What you're doing in their life starts today. Lord, we pray that you would, from this day forward, begin to teach them who you are in their life. Make your word come alive to them and help them to understand what it means. Surround them full of people, full of your spirit, full of love, that can guide them and nurture them to walk with you. And Lord, I pray for everyone else in this room today that your Holy Spirit would fan the flames of faith in our lives. That you would remind us, yes, it is about now, because now determines eternity. It is about this life, because this life determines eternity. That when we die, we are in your presence, Lord. And when we're in your presence, you have things to do. I don't know what all those things are. I hope and I pray that we get to see you changing other people's lives. But Lord, today we say that we're, we're with you, that we have decided to follow you. We love you. We pray that you would teach us your ways every day, that you would make your word come alive, show us the different things of eternity. That you'd help our minds to be focused, not on the trivial things of this world, but on the eternal things that someday we will look back and remember the small little life that we had thousands of years ago. We say yes today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.